Well, hey, folks, I've got a special guest today. I got Chad Jeffers. Uh, boy, the list of what this guy can do is this could take up the entire show, but a lot of you guys know him as uh, Carrie Underwood's, uh, I like to say, right hand man. Dude, you're just everywhere. Of course, a, a teacher, uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, you're, 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 a, you're, an, you're an inspiration to me, my friend, just watching what you do new in music, as well as still play on everybody's album and go on everybody's tour. It's just, it's, it's great. And it's awesome to have you on this uh, little podcast here. Well, thank you, Jeff. What, what a nice intro. Now I, I'm done. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, th- but this, I appreciate that. Well, you know, and, and we're neighbors and this is the funny thing is that you were probably four or five houses up from me, but right. we're stuck inside. It feels like we're in different countries right now because, <laughs> yeah. because we're, everyone is inside and I, I wasn't sure what to do with myself, and now I've got all this time to just go seek out all the people that were on this cast recording of my dad's new musical and kind of connect with them and you know record it and 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 share it with others. And I think um, a lot of people will get a lot of good um, information and good inspiration out of these chats. And also, I think you and me and and whoever I talk to will also get encouragement because uh this was a project that my dad wrote back in the 80s and then we finally dug out um a few years ago uh when you know he retired and then took care of my mom and she passed away and so he had all of this stuff that he wanted to get to and so uh, the easiest way to do it was to do it at my dad's home studio and that means space permitting we could only grab one or two people at a time and um you i believe were the first uh, external musician to jump on board uh, to help lay down um, basically the the groundwork of all the tracks or most of the tracks because at this point I had taken my dad's little cassette demo and I had done the scratch demo slash rhythm section of acoustic guitar and upright bass and then we needed to make it official so we called Mr. Chad Jeffers. <laughs> well, thank you. It was such a blast playing on that. And, uh, you know, of course, I think the world of you and your dad and, and I'm just so happy that he's doing this project. And uh, yeah, I'm just so glad to be a part of it. And I keep learning more and more about who all is on this. And I just learned that Gordon Kennedy was. Yeah, that's so, right. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, you know, the some of the, the caliber of musicians that you had on this, me excluded from that. No, come on. It's, <laughs> but it's a it's just an honor to be a part of something like this. And, and I do feel like this is, you know, I, I think that, you know, your dad's onto something here and I think it's, it's bigger than, than all of us. So um, I'm really excited to see what all happens with it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I asked my dad when I, you know, interviewed him, <laughs> uh, I said, dad, what, what, what do we want to do with this? And he says, I don't know. I just want to get it out there because it, I mean, first and foremost, my dad wants the story to be told. But second of all, it, at at the end of the mastering, when I got the CD back, I, I thought, wow, this is really good. So I'm excited. Um, and as you know, music is such a strange thing these days that um, you never really know where it's going to go, but you still need to put your all into it to make it great. So with that said, uh, you are always on the first of our list to, to, to um, enlist in this. Let me say that again. <laughs> you are always on the you are on the top of our list uh, to to have participate, and so tell us and the people who are listening, like 
a little, you know, scratch bio of where you started. What was your influence? Uh, what made you want to do music? Yeah, well, um, I was born and raised in East Tennessee, so there's a lot of bluegrass up there. And, of course, country music actually started in the area that I grew up in. My dad was a singer-songwriter, so much like what your dad is. And I was raised, um, my, my dad came from like the Don Williams and the Towns Van Zandt. And he actually record, uh, wrote a song that Conway and Loretta recorded wow. back in their heyday. And uh, so, I mean, that kind of music was always um, in, in my life. And we had a family band growing up. My brother played bass, who was also a professional musician. And then our, our drummer, Matt Nahaffey, who is also a professional musician and producer and songwriter. Um, but yeah, so that was that was kind of the upbringing. And when college came around, you know, my mom, of course, was saying, you guys got to go to college. And then my dad's saying, OK, cool. If you're going to go to college, go somewhere where you really want to go and where music is a big part of that, you know, that city and, and that that surroundings. So, of course, Nashville was the obvious choice for us. So, um, you know, I moved down to Nashville in, in 94 and, you know, I uh, went to college and then right out of college, I got my first road gig with the Wilkinsons, a little father, son and daughter kind of uh, Canadian trio. And then um, soon after that, um, my band, Pin Monkey, got a record deal with RCA. So we did that for a little while. Then I got out with Keith Urban, then Kenny Loggins, and then for the last 12 years or so, I've been out with Carrie Underwood. So, you know, it's been a interesting path. And I mean, had you told me that this is what it was going to be like, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be like, you're crazy. But it's been such a great career and just, uh, you know, I've just enjoyed the ride the, the, all the way along. So, Not a bad ride, my friend. So did well, you, you did you study music in school? Uh, was, was that what you went to school for? Uh, actually, I, I got a degree in music business and, and another one in marketing. And um because of just the way the music business program was set up, I had, you know, it was just pretty much go to class and get your stuff done. Whereas a lot of the music students had to do a lot of, you know, conducting classes and kind of like zero credits, but they had to have those credits. And so, um, so it allowed me a lot of time to be in the studio, to be playing and performing with anybody and everybody that would let me, you know, a lot of songwriters, um, people on campus and off campus, and so then, I mean, that's kind of where I cut my teeth into, especially in the studio, because as students, we had free studio time. And so, you know, we're able to get in there and make all of all of the mistakes and then some and, uh, you know, just and, and learn how to, to mic and get good sounds and and also just learn how to get the best performance. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of that was my background. Well, so growing up with with music in the family, uh, which I can relate uh, a lot of people that I'm talking to that are on this uh, recording are all kind of in the same boat. We all kind of came from some kind of musical family, whether it's our fathers or siblings or whatever. Right. What What was the early part in your life where music started to kind of be more than a, a hobby? Um, 
Well, I mean, I can't really put my finger on it because that when I was eight years old is when my brother and I first backed my dad up. And it was in front of 1,500 Rainbow Girls. And after that, which Rainbow Girls were 13 to 18 years of age, I was eight. My brother was 11. And after the show, the girls literally chased us into the dressing room. <laughs> so like we the were Beatles. freaked. Yeah, I mean, totally. And we're freaked out. And we're like, man, this, you know, I don't know what to think about this, but whatever that was, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's when we started, you know, our family band. And then, um, you know, then we would play conventions and we played Dollywood and Opryland and, and, you know, all these little, you know, smaller um, amusement parks like uh, Tweetsie Railroad over in North Carolina. So, um, you know, we and we were making money. And, um, I'll, you know, I'll never forget the time, you know, my dad took me to a bike shop and he goes, all right. You know, he goes, this is your money. You've earned this because of your music. Pick out whatever bike you want. He goes, this, you know, this is what you've earned as, you know, you playing your guitar. And that was the connection for me. I'm like, oh, I can do this for a living. Uh, you know, so that was kind of the connection. And so it was that, you know, then once I got into high school, I was, you know, kind of sneaking into clubs, playing with different bands and, um, you know, and so that that was, you know, so, I mean, that was kind of semi-professional, you know, because we were getting paid. But then, you know, of course, when I got to, to Nashville and got to Belmont, then that's when it, it kicked into high gear in terms of me really treating it like a business. And, um, you know, and, and obviously, I you know, took music seriously for a long time. But but when you get paid, it, it's a different level of seriousness. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, your, it's your job. Well, what was your first guitar? My first guitar was an electric guitar, and it was a PV Patriot. And um, and I still own it. Uh, my dad, we were, um, excuse me, we're on my way, we're on our way home from um, a guitar lesson, and I, I still didn't have an electric guitar. Uh, my dad had a Gibson um, Dove and also an Ovation guitar, and um, which we both, we, you know, we still have that. And uh, we stopped by a pawn shop and saw this guitar, and I was just like, "Dad, that's it!" <laughs> and we got the guitar, and and that's what I learned on. I still have that guitar to this day. I mean, that's that's one that you know, I never play it, but it's one of those guitars that you just can't get rid of. Oh yeah, I've got my first electric P bass, which wasn't even a Fender; it was whatever. But it's, I still have it. And <laughs> right. I look at, it, I'm like, what am I going to do with that one day? Well, what is a, well, and, a Patriot? You know, is that like a uh, Strat or what, what does it look like? No, it, well, it kind of looks like the like the T40 or the T60 that PV made. Oh okay, and it's just kind of a, a light version of that. Because those guitars are like a boat anchor, and then this one was just—it <laughs> was just a little bit lighter in terms of just the wood that they use. And um, so, yeah, it just had two kind of uh, PV proprietary uh, P90s, is what it kind of looks like. Oh, that's neat. Well, d when you got to college, I guess you had to declare an instrument, right? Or did you have to? Or what music business? Maybe that's different. But did, did yeah, you... with music business, I didn't. But. Um, in, in high school is when I started playing dobro, and then I got my first dobro around my sophomore year of, of high school. And then, um, yeah, and so then that, that quickly became kind of my principal instrument in college because there wasn't any other dobro players around. And a lot of the writers 
they weren't really looking for like another acoustic guitar because they were already playing that. Yeah. So the Dobro added just enough of a different sound that, um, you know, that they really dug. And, and so that, that quickly became my, you know, kind of my main instrument. And then whenever I was, you know, it was about two weeks or so before I graduated from college and, you know, I, I really didn't have a plan after college, you know, I'm like, all right, well, do I need to go into the business side or do I need to, you know, I want to be a musician. I mean, that was always, that was always what my goal was. And, you know, then I started thinking with my Dobra, I'm like, okay, did I, like in terms of like my instrument, did I major in a minor instrument? You know, because I mean, Dobra, I mean, there's not that many people around and a buddy of mine pointed it out. He goes, dude, that's, that's like great. That's great. that not everybody's doing that. And um, I, I was still in school, and I got a call from one of the really big artist management companies here in Nashville, uh, Fitzgerald Hartley. And um, one of you know the managers said, "Hey, um, Doug Johnson, who's a producer, he heard you play in another band, and we have a, a group that needs a dobro. Or can you do it?" And it was actually for um, Fanfare at the time, the CMA Music Fest now. And so I went and played um, fanfare with them. And then that fall, we got on the Alan Jackson tour. And that was, I was off and running. Wow. That was, so was, start. was this, was this uh, Alan Jackson tour, like one of the first big kind of like, all right, this is big, big time tour that you got on? Yeah. Oh yeah. For me, that, that, that this was like, this is huge. And what was funny is whenever they were rehearsing, they, um, they had a couple of dates just kind of scattered, you know, just that they had already booked because they were still putting together the band and so they had this one date and they said, Hey, it, it's opening for Tim McGraw. And they said, Hey, do you want to go do this date with us? Cause you've already been playing with us. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, heck yeah, why not? <laughs> and so we went and we did the the show and of all the venues that it could be in, I mean, there's thousands of venues throughout the U S it was actually in that same venue where those girls chased my brother and me. That is amazing. And so, yeah, so <laughs> that, that was like my first, so that was like my first real show you know, as a professional musician was in that venue yeah. that I started at when I was eight years old. So I thought this is very serendipitous. Something <laughs> meant for you to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at this point now you're, you're done with school, but, but you're professionally touring and uh, living in Nashville. Um, how long did this, uh, you know, opening slot last the Alan Jackson tour? And then what happened after that? Well, the Alan Jackson tour, I think they were on it for, um, gosh, I don't know, probably six months or so. And then, uh, so yeah, I, I was with the Wilkinsons for about two years and the whole time I was with the Wilkinsons is when I was working a lot on pin monkey, uh, which is my band, the one that got signed to RCA. And so, um, me and the lead singer, we would go out and we do a bunch of writers nights cause that was mainly what he was as a singer songwriter. And then we eventually added my brother as the bass player. And then, um, and then we eventually added a drummer and we added him because we didn't want to pay him. So we thought, Hey, if we just add him as a member, then we don't have to pay him. <laughs> so, um, and then the four of us started re recording, um, a lot. And my dad had, um, he had purchased a bunch of recording gear to do his own album that I, I produced on him. And, uh, it, it was like a, a Roland VS 1680. So it's yep. like the old school hard. Dude, gear, I had you know, but that that was thing, the, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of because to get into it, like a Pro Tools rig was a really big jump. And so this was kind of the, the entry level. 
So um, once I finished with my dad's project, then, you know, we started recording as, as pen monkey in their bonus room uh, just there in, in the, uh, here in Franklin. And then that actually, that become an independent album while we were getting signed to RCA and making our first RCA album. We're finishing up the indie album. So, um, yeah, so that, and then after that, you know, that's, that's when Pin Monkey, and of course, as a new artist, you're working all the time, <laughs> you know, you're doing, if you're not actually playing, you know, a, a legitimate show, like in a bar or a club, well, then you're out doing radio stuff. And when we were doing the radio tour, I mean, we would be hitting, you know, three, maybe four cities in a day, you know, doing a morning, doing an afternoon and then doing an evening. And then usually after the evening, we'd go and, you know, do dinner with the, the program director and the music director. So, but it was fun because my brother was with me. So we had a good time and, um, you know, so, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. So at this point was pin monkey, like, uh, like this is your, that was the, your thing you were doing hundred percent. Were you doing yes. any other side stuff at the time? Or? Yeah. No, when pin monkey really got going, I mean, that was, that was all the, the time I really had was, was just doing that band. And, um, you know, there's some some other projects that I was, you know, was hoping to do, but you know, there literally just was not enough time, and um, and just kind of bandwidth with, you know, because I mean, you're you're not only playing music, but you're also the entrepreneur. You're the, you're the boss. You're the, you know, you're kind of everything. And and thank goodness, as a band, it was nice because there was four of us, so you know, we could delegate, you know, certain things with each other, but. Well, t- um, we'll talk about the being the entrepreneur and a musician, uh, and and you can speak personally, and also wh- where you see uh, the ups and the downs of that are. Um, I, I think being an entrepreneur and a musician is, um, you know, I, as musicians, I think I've always felt like we're we're salespeople. You know, you you learn your part, and then you uh, you know you're preparing for it. And then you're you're getting yourself performance ready, so that whenever you hit the stage, you're not thinking about your part because you're you've already got that, and that's a part of you. You're looking at selling it and selling yourself to everyone in the audience and and bringing them in to uh, to what you're doing. You know, kind of making it all inclusive, saying, "Hey, look, come here, check out what I'm doing here." You know, while you're you're playing these songs. Not not necessarily a look at me, look at me kind of thing, but you're just pulling them in where you're you're wanting to be magnetic as a as an artist, as a musician. And to me, I, I find that very similar in terms of being an entrepreneur, where you're, you know, whenever you have a product or a service, you want to pull people in, and it's not necessarily, you know, just showing them you're you're the next best thing. You're you're having them a part of all the stuff that you're doing. So I see there's a lot of similarities with that. Also, there's a lot of similarities in entrepreneurship and musician in terms of, you know, you're, you're kind of going out on a limb on some of this stuff. And, you know, sometimes people will say, are you crazy? What are you thinking? I'm like, well, no, I really believe in this. And I believe that there's other people that see this as well. And so I, I think definitely, um, you know, 
I, I, I see the the court the the parallel between entrepreneurship and and musicianship in that sense as well. Well, and and there's a big difference now. I mean, Pin Monkey was what early 2000, 2002, yes, two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was no social media back then. Um, right. There was no. I mean, there was hardly was internet for crying out loud. It was it was. Yeah. It's a different world now. You can still, you know, do your best with the tools that you have. But do you feel like uh, nowadays uh, with just all of the things at our disposal as entrepreneurs and as businessmen or as musicians, do you think it's better or just different now? I just think it's different. Um, I think it's different in the way that there's a lot of noise out there. And so to cut through the noise, I think, is is kind of the biggest challenge uh, because it's not access. Everyone's got access and so it's just a whereas, you know, back in the early 2000s, um, you know, I remember when one of our songs came out, um, one of the, the girls from the label, she said, hey, I got you guys on the front of iTunes. I'm like, awesome. What does that mean? You know, <laughs> she, and so she showed me because, you know, some people were still up or still on dial up at that time. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so the physical CDs were still a big deal. And so. You know, in terms of some people, they didn't really necessarily have access to a lot of the music. Whereas now you have access to anything, not only just current music, but even like, you know, old Robert Johnson recordings and all these like, you know, Gershwin, you know, like all, you know, old school kind of stuff. And um, yeah, and I just think it, for newer artists, I just think it's a different, uh, you know, and, and now we're seeing a lot of people that have been raised in in social media you know, they don't know anything any different. So I, I think that's the biggest challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs and artists, musicians, is just cutting through the noise and, uh, you know, still getting your music heard through all of that. So when did you get on board with Carrie Underwood? Tell us about that. Carrie was in 2007. And um, so, the you know, everyone asked me, they're like, how did you get a gig with Carrie Underwood or Keith Urban or Kenny Loggins? And, and that's actually why I wrote a book back in 2008. Soon after I got with Carrie, I was actually working on it uh, prior to, to Carrie with uh, when I was out with Kenny Loggins. But um, I, when I was and this actually goes back to Keith Urban, is that we were doing a what we call a dust bowl. And so it was like in a racetrack in the middle of the summer. And it was dry and there's like dust, you know, it's all in your hair. You know what it is. And, and like gets in your yeah. guitar stuff. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And so um, I'll never forget the date. But um, after the show, the opening band came and hung out with us. And so, I mean, this is probably 2005, I guess. And um, so the opening band came and we just hung out on the bus and, you know, shared war stories and everything. And I remember, you know, to the guy next to me and said, hey, his name's Mark. And I said, hey, Mark, if you. You know, if you ever need a slide player and he lives, you know, we, we live here in the same town. He goes, you know, I said, hey, if you ever need a slide player for anything, just give me a shout. And, you know, just gave him my number. And, you know, we went on our way and, you know, I didn't really hear from him, you know, for a couple of years. And then in 2007, I was walking into a writing uh, writing room um, down on Music Row and I get a call and he said, hey, this is Mark. And you probably don't remember me, but we were on the bus. I'm like, of course, I remember you. And. He said, hey, well, I'm now the music director for Carrie Underwood. We're looking for a slide player, and we, you know, we, you're the guy. I'm like, okay. He goes, can you meet with management this afternoon and, and just kind of talk through some details? You know, and, and I literally had jeans and a T-shirt and, and an acoustic guitar, not even a dobro or, or a slide guitar. 
And I said, you know what? Well, I, I, you know, I don't have anything to really to play you and I'm not dressed. And he goes, no, 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 no. They just, they just want to talk with you. And so I said, okay, sure. So, you know, I did my writing uh, session that day and, um, you know, and then that afternoon I went and met with management and, and then that was it. And here we are 12, 13 years later. Yeah, I'm sure that writing session was you know, your your mind is like, okay, I'm writing a song, but really, I got some place to go later that's going <laughs> to yeah. be really awesome. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And of course, then Keith Urban, uh, Kenny Loggins. I mean, all these uh, different artists. It, do you feel like it's picked up speed after that? You know, just all the d- different types of um, I would say gigs that came along. Yeah, yeah, and it, it just kind of snowballed from that and. Um, you know, and there's there's a lot of like other gigs kind of in between. Um, you know, I did two USO tours, one with uh, Jamie O'Neill and the other with Granger Smith um, back when we were in the war. And so literally, yeah. you know, we slept in Saddam Saddam's palace. And, wow. you know, I mean, all this kind of crazy stuff. It's just amazing the, the places that music has taken me through the years, um, places that I, I would never have dreamt of. And but, when uh, yeah. And when did 25 notes uh, when did you start? start saying i want to write something yeah uh well that was around the the kenny loggins era um there was a drummer uh, that was that played with kenny his name's stevie destanislaw or stevie d as they call him easier to stevie, say he, he's an incredible drummer um he's been playing with uh, david gilmore for i don't know 15 years wow. and david crosby and i mean he's just he's a just a great drummer but he's also he's an entrepreneur as well and uh, he has a, a company called Stick Hammock, and so it's for drummers that that have a bunch of different sticks. And so anyway, so he and I were always bouncing ideas, entrepreneurial thoughts, and and hey, wouldn't it be cool if dot dot dot? And then and then that's when uh, you know I was working on the book, and he just thought, dude, that's you got to keep writing that, and that that's really cool. And you know, for me, I, I had the imposter syndrome kick in. I'm like, well, like who am I to write something like this? And you know, he's like, well, if you don't, who, who else can, <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know, you know? And so, uh, he, he was really, uh, influential on me in, in terms of writing the book. And so this has opened up a whole other, uh, avenue of things for you to do. I mean, it is music related, but now you go out and speak, you, uh, yeah. you mentor. I mean, tell us all about that. Yeah. So, um, it did, it, it opened up a whole speaking career where, especially when I was on the road, I'd go to different universities or media institutions and, and speak because my degree was in music business, but the emphasis was on um, product development. So like audio engineering was pretty much what it was. And so, you know, with the media institutes, I can go in and talk to audio engineers or talk to, you know, creatives um, or talk to business people. And so it's kind of all across the board. And also Part of that would would be I would go to Belmont and be, you know, do a guest, you know, uh, guest speaking or like a seminar of sorts. And then a couple of years later, they they called me and they said, hey, you know, would you want to come back and be an adjunct professor? And I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. So uh, so I went back and, and, and did that at Belmont for a couple of years and just had a great time doing it. And there's still some opportunities where I want to go back and do some guest speaking and everything. Um, you know, a lot of it was the the tour kind of kicked back in. And so um, I couldn't dedicate my time as much 
to being a professor because if you do it right, <laughs> it takes a lot of time, you know, just in terms of lesson, you know, preparing everything. And but uh, it's it's great, and I still keep in contact with a lot of my students who are now in the industry. So it's it's pretty cool. That's amazing. You're 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 making an impact on people uh, musically and uh, t- teaching. That's great. What's what's coming up next? I mean, I know we have a lot of uncertainty right now, but um... yeah. So uh, a lot of people kept kind of ribbing me. A lot of my buddies are like, all right, dude, when's the next book? And so, um, you know, I was thinking about writing another book. But then instead of doing that, I thought, well, a lot of people are are watching courses and watching videos. So I put together um, my own online course. It's called Backstage Notes, uh, BackstageNotes.com. And so basically it's it's a lot of um, what I've learned since I wrote the book and helping people become performance ready in the music business or in songwriting or in um, live performance. And so, um, so I'm doing that. I'm also doing more speaking, um, you know, Carrie, I mean, we, we always, you know, have dates throughout the year, not right now because of the coronavirus, but you know, that'll kick back up here pretty soon. So it's a, it's a busy time, but I'm, I, I love what I do. So it's just every day. It's, it's great just to wake up and, to be able to record and, and, you know, hang out with you and, and do some stuff and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I just, um, you know, I, I got to pinch myself sometimes that it's so cool. That is a great, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be that way. It, no matter what, you have to look at life as, as a gift. And, uh, and you've been given a lot of gifts, uh, in your career. I, I think a gift of your personality is is wonderful it, it just shines back on me because you're every time i see you man you've got this grin you drive by sometimes with, <laughs> with your top down you know because we're you know neighbors so i'm out cutting my grass and you drive by and it's, i love that i love that even though that we we're all kind of disconnected and and the the world is global with the internet and everything it's great that nashville and franklin and in this sort of surrounding area that we live in is still kind of small towny feeling a little bit you know people wave yeah. and people are nice and, and i hope that we can keep encouraging people musically, and I think that's part of what this project is. And I'm so glad that you did it uh, with us. I mean, you—you you, like I said, you were the first one to sort of lay the next layer on top of my sort of hokey uh, uh, guitar playing. And then, and then, of course, uh, you're you're throughout. You you brought in a pedal steel. Didn't even talk about yeah. that, but I mean yeah. that was that was that was great. And uh, just in general, I, I'm really. Uh, honored to be your friend and also a co-musician and and uh I, I where can people find you what's what's a good way to just yeah well um all socials they can find me at chad jeffers and then uh, backstagenotes.com and uh, those are the the main platforms for me but yeah man and and thank you so much for the kind words and it, it was, you know, it's always great playing with you, and and you're you're so talented, and and uh, and same back at you with with just having a great personality, and and just you know, it, it's great, and I, I think that that is a big part of of this business. You know, you you've got to have a good spirit, and you you've got to be able to just, you know, there, there's always going to be a, a buddy of mine told me this. He said, you know, as a musician, artist, musician. There's always going to be something great happening, and there's always going to be something that's a challenge that's happening. And sometimes those challenges are actually turn out to be really good things. But you know, you, there's always something good and bad, and you know, it's it's good just to be balanced and you know enjoy the good 
And when there are challenges, you know, figure it out, work it out and learn from it. And, uh, and I, I see you doing that as well. And so, um, I, I, I really appreciate that. Well, let's keep on keeping on and, and, uh, let's, let's do something soon again. Uh, I'll, I'll wave out my window in my okay. social distancing <laughs> way. <laughs> folks, folks, this is Chad Jeffers. So y'all, y'all look him up, uh, listen to all the stuff he's done. Go catch a Carrie Underwood concert, man. Those things are great. Thanks man for, for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you, Jeff. If someone told me I'd be loving you today, I'd say they're crazy or at least mistaken. Cause I know people and how afraid they are to change. But here we Before the day is done